Hello? Hello? I can hear it echo. All right, good. I don't know if the echo is good, but at least it works. All right. <laughs> well, it's good to see everybody here today. Thank you for coming, and uh, appreciate the beautiful singing. That was really great. Now, there's something about the old hymns that I still really, really like. Not all the time, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, they really, they really speak to you. All right, so... Today, we're beginning a four-part series, and this series is called, Who is This Jesus? Okay, and, and what this will be, four-part, four messages, right? The math adds up. We will discuss four aspects of the work and person of Jesus Christ, commonly called the fourfold gospel. All right. Bink. There you go. And you've probably seen this. It's in your, on your bulletin, that symbol in the red there. This is really, it's become the, the symbol of the Alliance Movement, which began over 100 years ago. Uh, there are four aspects of our Lord Jesus Christ found on this symbol. And if you're wanting to guess, you probably guessed right that those are our four messages. <laughs> All right. So, who is this Jesus? Well, we can say Jesus is our, and there are four things that we can say he is for us. Jesus is, first of all, our Savior. See what we did? We took the symbol, now we broke down the little aspects, okay? First of all, he's our Savior. He went to the cross. You see the cross up there. He came into the world to save us by going to that cross. You could say he was born to go to the cross. Also, Jesus is our sanctifier. Now that one there, to me, when I first saw it, I thought that was a wine glass. I'm like, what is this about? It must be about, must be about communion or something, you know, taking the bread and the wine. But no, what that actually is, is it's called a laver. And I learned about this in Tim's class he taught us. Uh, there was a basin that sat uh, to the beginning of the tabernacle for the priest to go in. Before the priests entered the Holy of Holies, or actually just the holy place, the middle part, they had to wash. So it speaks of cleansing. He's our sanctifier. Jesus is our cleanser. And then you see, it's obviously a picture. He is our healer. And that signifies uh, the pouring of oil upon a wound for healing. Okay. And then you see the crown, and that obviously speaks of royalty. It speaks of his kingship. Jesus is our king, and he's coming again, and he's going to rule. And if you're one of his, you're going to be very happy in that day. Praise the Lord. No more gridlock in Congress. None of that kind of stuff. We're just going to all follow the good king. Praise the Lord. All right. So, well, today we're going to start with the first one, the cross there. And our title is Jesus, Our Savior. All right, and we're going to take our text out of Acts 3 and 4. Uh, it's a very long passage, so <laughs> I'm going to chop it up. I'm going to um, read some, and then I'm going to summarize some, and then uh, that way you don't have to sit through the whole thing. And I promise we will not preach from every single verse. So there you go. All right, so beginning in Acts chapter 3, and you've got it up before you, 
Peter and John, the apostles, they were going to the temple for prayer. And they encountered a man who was born lame, just sitting there. And this man could not even get there by himself. They actually carried him there. And there he begged for alms or money or whatever he could get because the man could not provide for himself. So this man expected alms from Peter and John. And this is what Peter said to him. So Acts 3, 6. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And so the crowd obviously saw the whole thing. They got excited and they started to gather. So Peter took the opportunity to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it tells us in the passage that there were about 5,000 people that believed. And it says, and those were just the men. So you can imagine with the women, maybe some children or whatever, um, probably at least 10,000 people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ this one day. And that's a great thing. So when things like that happen, it's wonderful, right? But there's always somebody in the background, the religious rulers who are just saying, wait a minute, time out. You can't do this kind of thing. And really, I think they were jealous, very jealous. So we'll pick it up in Acts 4. There we go, in verse 7. So the religious rulers uh, grabbed a hold of them. They arrested them, they threw them in jail, now they're going to question. So verse 7, when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He, that is Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And I want you to take note of the last four words we just read. We must be saved. And thank God, Jesus is our Savior. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I want to talk about three things today, three main points. Our condition, our Savior, and our response, because we have a, a response we need to make. Praise the Lord. So first of all, our condition. We just read it. We must be saved. So obviously we're not in the best of condition by birth, right? 
Why do we have to be saved? It is because we are spiritually very much like the lame man was physically. Okay? As he was physically, that's how we are spiritually. His condition is critical. The lame man would die without help. He could not save himself. As a matter of fact, this man could not even get to the place where he begged by himself. He had to be brought there by people that were kind enough to do it. As he was physically, we are spiritually. So what is our spiritual condition? We are all under the curse of sin. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. That means you can't get out of it. Every one of us have sinned before our God. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. The wages, or we could say reward, or simply the result of our sin is death. The word death means separation from the holy God who loves us and who made us. Why are we talking about sin? Because sin is bad, number one. (laughs) It's why we lock our doors at night. It's why we lock our doors during the day, too. Sin is the reason for crime. Sin is the reason for illness. Sin is also the reason for drug abuse, child abuse, animal abuse. Sin is the reason we cannot see God with our eyes. As a matter of fact, God is holy. And if we were able to see him, if he did reveal himself to us, we would perish before him. Absolutely melt. Almost like the Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of thing. That just came to me, by the way. All right. Sin is why we don't know God. You're born into the world, you don't know God. However, there is testimony within us in our conscience that tells us, you know what, he is real, and you have something to be concerned about. Every person knows those thoughts. Hmm, am I doing right? Well, God's original plan did not include sin. God loves us, and he made us to know him and to have fellowship with him. He loves you today. Did you wake up this morning and think God loves me? Maybe tomorrow you will. I hope so. But Adam and Eve, the first two humans, right? They disobeyed, they sinned, and they fell under sin's curse. They died spiritually that day, the day that they ate of the forbidden fruit. They died spiritually. And what happened immediately was they were separated from God. This is evidenced by the fact that they were basically kicked out of the Garden of Paradise, the Garden of Eden. So there's no more paradise. So now they have to deal with Chicago weather. (laughs) Now they have to pull weeds out of their garden. Didn't have to do that in the Garden of Eden. And matter of fact, I really believe the Garden of Eden was like one long, beautiful spring day. No more. (laughs) We're out of there now. Now, Adam and Eve were to experience strife. Right? What's the first thing, my wife calls it the Adam syndrome, and she's right. The first thing that Adam said was, it was a woman made me do it. 
right? Strife. Fears. First thing, afraid. And anxieties. And we could go on and on and on. Every bad thing happened as a result of this sin. Now somebody might say, hey, I've never committed a crime. I've never been arrested. I've never physically hurt somebody before. Well, Jesus said, if you're angry with somebody without cause, you commit murder in your heart. And so there, there are three ways that we sin. It's not just always what we even do. It's our actions, our thoughts, and by our words. And believe me, we've all committed at least one of these. And I'm being nice, because we've committed all three of them. And if we're honest, we've done it over and over in our lives. Over and over. So that is our condition. And our condition by birth into this world is the reason we are talking about today our Savior. So my next point, we want to talk about our Savior. We talked about the problem, now we want to talk about our wonderful Savior. And so when Jesus was talking to the, I'm sorry, when uh, the Apostle Peter, stop me if I do that, because I do that sometimes. Peter was talking to the religious leaders and others that were listening. Acts 4.10, he said, Let it be known to you all, to the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, and boy, he really nails them, who you crucified, and whom God raised from the dead. By this name, this man stands here before you in good health. First thing out of that passage is, Peter says it was by Jesus' name. And he makes it clear, it wasn't us. It's not our power. It's nothing that we could have done. It was by Jesus. It tells us there is power in his name. Don't you like how he said, in the name of Jesus? In the name There's power in his name. Jesus Christ has power over all creation. He has power over heaven and hell. Even Satan has no power over God's children because we are in his name if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Satan has no power over you except that which you let him have. You do not have to be afraid. You do not have to give in. You do not have to cower in fear because the one who has saved us is stronger, more powerful. He's bigger than the enemy who would destroy us. The next thing Peter said there, I love this, Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. What does that mean, Nazarene? And I brought this up at the table for wise guys one morning. I said, I was reading this, the Nazarene. What do you guys think that means? Why say the Nazarene? Well, and and we all ended up with the same conclusion. Thank God, because I'd be confused otherwise. Um, I think of Nathaniel when um, somebody said, we found the Messiah, it's Jesus, from Nazareth. And... Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, it was kind of like, that place is for whatever. You know, nothing great there. And so what this tells me is, it's an identification thing. 
The Lord Jesus Christ was approachable. He was like us. He was a common man. Though he was God, he was a common man. And he could relate to people just like you and I. Put it this way. He's standing in front of the people who had been, I wouldn't say so much repressed, but kind of bossed around by the religious leaders their whole lives. He's standing in front of the common people who were there and also the religious leaders. And he says, look, I'm paraphrasing Peter, but look, Jesus was not like these stuffy shirt Jerusalem religious leaders. He's more like you and I. And, and I have a message for you. So I love that. So I believe Peter used this phrase, the Nazarene, to appeal to the people and to kind of rib their religious leaders. Then Peter says, very boldly, whom you crucified. Here's Peter standing before the people who had the power to turn Jesus over to execution. And he's boldly pointing the finger saying, you crucified Jesus. And yes, he did. And he said it for a reason. Number one is that, hey, this resurrection is real because he really did die. You killed him. You killed him. And it's such a bold statement. And we read further in the passage in verse 13. It says the leaders, they saw the boldness um, of Peter and John, that they were untrained, uneducated people, and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And the moral of the story for me is spend time with Jesus, okay? Because I, I need some boldness in my life. How about you? Then he says, Whom God raised from the dead. The grave had no power over Jesus Christ because he was not a sinner, for one thing. He was the son of God. He was born of a woman, but his father was God himself, God the Father. And so he rose again from the dead. And then in verse 12, Peter said, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. I like this a lot. There's no one else and there's no other name. Jesus is what has been termed an exclusive savior. He alone has this title. He does not share his title with anybody and nobody could have done what he did. And so today he's our hope. He's our only hope. But he's not only our only hope, but he's our great hope. And I hope today you'll praise him for that. Praise the Lord. This is our Savior's salvation. Jesus took our place at the cross. He died the death that, guess what, we deserved. And because he was not a sinner, he arose from the dead. His blood paid the price for our sins. And we can be forgiven because he paid for them. And his resurrection from the dead supplied the power for us to be born again. That is, that we can be saved. If we place our faith in Jesus, we will be forgiven and we receive his eternal life. We are then born again into the family of God. And that is why so many of us are here this morning, because we know we belong 
to the family of God. If you don't belong this morning to the family of God, that's why we're here. We're here to invite you. We're here to, to invite you to be a part. God works amazing things in the midst of his people. So lastly, um, our, the last point is our response. Our response is one of faith. Our response to our condition is not to simply try harder. Because that doesn't work, does it? So many in here could stand up and testify right now, the harder I try, the worse I get. But what we need to do is take faith. We need to call on Jesus Christ to save us. And then let his power work in us. Let him change us because we can't do it. He's a savior. And so you can be saved or born again today. And you know what? I'll just tell you this. If you do that, you will never be the same again. I'm just warning you. You'll never be the same. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, there is a new creation. It's because Christ comes into your life when you accept him. He makes a residence in your home, which is your body. And he will change you forever. It's like uh, the creamer that you put in your coffee. Some people don't. My wife doesn't. So she ruins my illustration. But <laughs> if you put creamer in your coffee, and actually, if I put creamer in the coffee for my wife, she doesn't take it. She says, no, I don't want it. Take the creamer out of the coffee. <laughs> you can't do it, can you? Once you pour that in there and mix it up, it's not coming out. It's not coming out. And that's very similar to Jesus Christ in our lives. He comes in. He gets stirred up. He stirs up things. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's weird to us. But it comes out a whole new blend. And that's what he wants to do in your life. He wants to change you forever. And change you day by day. Okay, the last uh, launching point here. I've seen salvation described in three tenses of salvation, past, present, and future. And I think you'll see this if you look on the Alliance website. And I, what I'm about to say totally agrees with that. I just use a different term, past, present, future. I want to briefly look at these like this. Uh, initial salvation, daily salvation, and eternal salvation. Past, present, and future. Okay, first of all, this is what we will get when we come to Christ. And, and it requires a response on your part. Initial salvation. That is, that we might be saved. That we might enter into this relationship. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. To enter into this salvation, it's very simple. You confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you believe that God raised him from the dead. And then you're willing to ask him. You know, sometimes we don't get answers because we don't ask. 
I'm encouraging you today, if you've never done it, and, or you're not sure if you've ever done it, ask him, Jesus Christ, be my Savior. Come into my life and make me a different person. Now, some people will do that immediately when they hear it. I'm one of those people. By the time I got to hear the gospel, I was 18, maybe, 19, I forget. And uh, I heard it, and I knew right away, this is what I needed, because I was a mess. I knew it right away. Other people don't see a need, and they refuse, or they put it off. Um, My wife, Sue, she has a very good friend. I won't give the name, you know, um, but she's known her since high school. Uh, And not only has Sue shared the gospel with her over and over again, but her whole family, her whole extended family is born-again believers in Christ. And I think it was her uncle was called the walking preacher or the walking evangelist. So she's heard the gospel over and over again, but she's never seen the need for it. And so it's very interesting. It's kind of like... I saw on TV a while back on the news. I think this was on the L tracks. I don't know if it was Chicago, but it sure looked like it. This man was walking along the train platform. You see the train coming and everybody's getting ready. This guy, I don't know what happened, he fell onto the track. And there was no getting out. This is the part, I don't know why they build them like this. They got the platform and then the train. You can't get out unless you get out. So this man fell, the train is coming, he's probably from here to that door. And he gets up, stumbles up, the train coming, 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 10 feet away. He goes to the, to get up and he doesn't have the strength. He's like this lame man, he cannot get out of the track and he's not fast enough. Except some brave, strong man ran up to him, grabbed him by this coat, and just pulled as hard as he could. And he must have been a judo or a wrestler or something because he knew exactly how to use his weight and he flipped back and he even landed on his back and he pulled this guy out from the track. And I'm telling you, just looking at it, it looked like the train even bumped his foot as he came up. It was that close. That's an obvious salvation right there. I mean... You think about that. People who are desperate, they know they need to be saved, right? And I have another story. Um, This is a true story. Back in 1923, there was a man, a wealthy Chicago businessman, by the way. He wanted to have a yacht, so he bought a boat from from the military, from the Navy, and he wanted to convert it to a yacht. So this Chicago man went to New York to get this boat. And how's he going to get the boat home? He's going to sail it. Some of you kind of already know where this is going. It's scary. And he's in the boat. He's bringing it home to Chicago. He's got to go through the locks and all this kind of stuff. Well, he took a wrong turn. Unfortunately, his turn was on the Niagara River. He had no idea, right? And so he's going along... uh, Ignoring all the warnings, I believe there's signs out there and everything. Hey, stop, turn back, you know. 
There are people on the side who are going, hey, where are you going? Come back. Get to the side. Finally, he heard the people and he saw them. It took him a long time. And he thought, what is the fuss that they're making over there? He had no idea. But then he looked up ahead the river and he could see in the distance the spray coming up. If you've ever been there, there's liquid just everywhere at Niagara. It's just bubbling up. He saw that. He goes, oh, no. Turn the boat to turn around and go. And he got stuck on a sandbar. <laughs> he froze there. Uh, but later, thank God, they were able to come and rescue this man, or he would have surely died. There's no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, I understand his boat died. The boat ended up, crashed over the falls. So, But isn't that something? People live their lives. They're in danger. They're in danger from the day they're born. They need a Savior. And people are saying, hey, you need to get saved. Hey, this Lord Jesus is for you. We have the Bible. We have all these things. And we're yelling, hey, get saved. (laughs) Wave your hands. And then you hope that one day they're going to come to their senses and turn their boat around. So the point I'm making here is it's our job to just keep sharing it. It's our job to keep waving the hands. It's our job to say, hey, we have a Savior. Come to him. You know, it says in the book of Jude, the other kind, like me, (laughs) or the train man, um, he says, snatch them from the fire, basically is what Jude said. Some people snatch them from the fire. Other people, be long-suffering and keep waving your arms and saying, hey, there's danger ahead, but we have a Savior. Praise the Lord. All right, that's initial salvation. Then there's a daily salvation. We need to understand it doesn't just stop when we get saved. We can walk with Jesus Christ every day. He's our Savior every day. And it says, Jeremiah 17, 5, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. So do we go about our days every day trusting ourselves? Or do we say, Lord, you be my Savior today? Jeremiah 17, 7, Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. And I'll put it this way. Think of that lame man walking, leaping, praising God. I ask you the question, are we still walking and leaping and praising God? I won't do that up here. I'm tempted to, but I'm not going to, because my wife would be embarrassed if I did that. (laughs) So we face trials and temptations daily, don't we? Amen, witness, amen. But thank God, he is still our Savior. Keep trusting in his mighty name. Salvation is not a one-time thing, but it's moment by moment. And there is a hymn I remembered. I tell you, when I study, when I'm reading the word of God, these old hymns come into my brain. Do do you know this one? Jesus saves me now? I'm not sure. 
This is an old hymn. Jesus saves me now. And this is a, just one of the verses. Sorrow and pain may beset me about. Nothing can darken my brow. Battling in faith, I can joyfully shout, Jesus saves me now. Praise the Lord. We need to remember it's not a one-time salvation. It's every day. And we can keep walking, leaping, and praising God. Praise the Lord. So are we? And we don't have to stop, do we? We can keep going. Salvation is like a Christmas gift. When you get a gift, it's yours. But now what are you going to do with it? Well, you're going to unwrap it. Now you have to put it to use, usually, right? Maybe it's a, it's a gag. I got a gag gift I won't tell you about. <laughs> My family knows. Uh, whew, I can tell you later. It's funny. It's very funny. But let's say you get for Christmas a book. If you're going to enjoy that, what do you have to do? You have to read it. That's all. If you get a health club membership, you'll know that your spouse thinks you're a little heavy. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, let's say that you ask for a health club membership and you got one. There you go. To feel the great benefits, what do you have to do? You're going to have to go there. And you're going to have to walk on the treadmill and do whatever. And you will. You'll feel better, won't you? So why don't we do it? I have no idea. Get a new watch. I got a new watch for Christmas. Isn't that nice? It's a smart watch. It's smarter than I am. <laughs> if you want to enjoy your watch and use it, you have to wear it, don't you? So, God has given us some gifts. God has given us his word, the Bible. Do we read it? Right? God has given us his body, the church. Right here. Do we attend it? <laughs> Do we? God has given us prayer. Is prayer our first or our last resort? God has given us his Holy Spirit. Are we getting to know him better? And when we grieve him, do we make it right? God has given us gifts to help us. God has given us gifts to bring salvation in our lives. Because when you first get saved, there's a lot that still needs to be done. A lot. And God wants to bring us down this path. Use these gifts. And as we fight the spiritual battles by faith, we are being changed into his image. This verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We're being changed. And, you know, we go through trials, and sometimes it's, it's even discipline. God disciplines his children. He's not punishing them. He's disciplining them, correcting them. And we don't like it. But we keep going. If we keep going, guess what? It's called glory. Glory. Because what is glory? Glory is when you overcome something. Glory is when you win. It's when you get the victory. 
and glory to glory, we're being changed. And that's God's design for us. And we will overcome. Praise the Lord. So daily, <laughs> that's the point, daily. Every day is a day of salvation for you and I. And so let God, let's, let's do the things that God has for us. Praise the Lord. Lastly, we have eternal salvation. And this is a wonderful thing. There's two verses here, John 10, 28. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then we have Romans 8, 38. Uh, it gives a list of everything, every calamity you can think of. I just said basically nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love never fails. His love is powerful. You think you're too far from God? You're not, because his love is strong, and he is pursuing you. He's looking for you. He wants to make a relationship with you. He even wants to give you an eternal hope. And so today it gives me great comfort to know that I'm saved. He's saving me daily, and I'm saved for eternity. Praise the Lord. Isn't that something? I don't have to worry about it. Even if you're in that boat that goes over the falls, <laughs> you're still good. Because you've got glory. You're going to the glory. And it'll be a wild ride down, won't it? Down, then up. There you go. We're going up. Well, praise the Lord. So let's, let's close in prayer. Um, I just want to say, if, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I'm just going to pray a little prayer, and I just ask you to um, go along with me. Say it in your heart or say it out loud, whatever you want to do but we give you the opportunity to make Christ your Savior. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, I realize that because of sin I need to be saved. And I confess that I cannot save myself. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to save me. His precious blood paid the penalty for my sins. I confess that he is Lord of all and that he rose again from the dead. Lord Jesus, I know that you are alive right now and you hear me. You hear my cry, Lord. You hear all of my pain. You know me, Lord. Please save me and come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. I thank you for saving me. And Father, we just pray for everybody in this room that we'll day by day know your leading in our lives, know your comfort. Uh, if anybody is hurting in this place or going through trials, we pray that you would encourage them, Lord, that they hang in there because you have glory for them, for overcoming, for winning the victory in Christ by faith. So, Father, we pray comfort today. Heal people. Father, give people faith. And let us go out of here rejoicing, Lord, and dif as different people. Thank you so much for what you're doing, Lord. And we pray all this in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll go out of here rejoicing. We will have the benevolent fund, by the way. Um, people will stand at the door. And if you want, give money. It's, this money is given to uh, people who really need help, like the man in our story today. So God bless you. Thank you for coming.